Hello and welcome to episode eight of Owen the Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Jack Serlis. Jack, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Pat. Um, beautiful, sunny day here in London and another week closer to hopefully normality. So I'm all right. Thank you. Good, good. Well, this week we've got Rady Jahidi on the podcast, former Saints player and coach who's now managing in the USA. We'll, we'll be coming on to a chat with him shortly. Before we get there, we just wanted to clear up a little controversy from last week. Mm. A friend of the podcast, Thomas Place, kindly pointed out that in our top three rankings of the best ever South American Saints players, um, we had Stern John in at number two from Trinidad and Tobago. And a little bit of digging has found that that is actually North America, <laughs> not South America. So do we want to hold our hands up there? Well, yes. Yes, we do. We are going to okay. hold our hands up. Well, I'm going to hold my hands up. I did that bit of research, but I'm just going to say Google is ve- not, not very clear. Because if you type in Trinidad and Tobago continent, it says that it lies on the continental shelf of South America. So, okay, oh, Thomas so Place, kind of, yeah, he's correct. Yeah, a half apology then. Half apology, we'll, yeah, not not a yeah. full apology. Yeah. No, definitely not. But um, a half apology, exactly. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, as we said, Thomas Place is a friend of the podcast, and he is um, a very formidable quizzer. So he wouldn't let that slip past him when he was listening last week. So he quickly got in touch, um, which we appreciate. So we just wanted to clear Always. we just wanted to clear that up to start with. But we're going to continue on the same theme. We are speaking to Raddy this week, and we wanted to do our top three African Saints players of all time. Um, so I will let you crack on with that, Jack, because I think you've got a few honourable mentions to um, to go through before we get to the top three. Yeah, definitely. Um, first thing to say is that this this list has got a lot more quality in it than the, the South American list that we ran through last week. Um, so a few honourable mentions that don't make the top three but deserve a shout out are, well for me, Sofiane Bufal. He probably does divide opinion at St Mary's. Um, extremely inconsistent and sometimes very, very infuriating to watch. But for me, he gets an honourable mention because of just the moments of magic that he's given us over the last few years. The West Brom goal, the Sunderland goal, and just a few you know, snippets of skills that he's done against some teams, making them look stupid. And in a, in a period of, a period of well, an era for Southampton that hasn't really been blessed with too many moments, he has provided a little bit of joy to the uh, St Mary's faithful. So he gets an honourable mention. Okay, agree with that, yep. Um, and also Papa Wago for me. Uh, from Senegal, uh, he gets an honourable mention because of his impact in 2009-2010 uh, in the JPT, mostly. He scored a brace uh, against Norwich in the semi-final and he scored in the final at Wembley against Carlisle. And yeah, a bit of a cult legend at St Mary's, isn't he? Definitely. I think one of those players that we signed at that time, uh, kind of out of nowhere, and he turned out to have a few big moments for us. So I back that as well. Um, I just w- would add uh, Hassan Kashgul as a potential, um, well, he deserves an honourable mention. He yeah. was a good player um, at the club, 1998-2001, oh, scored quite a few goals for us, played over 80 games. Things kind of ended uh, on a sour note, because I think, he, if I remember rightly, he left. He ran down his contract and left on a free transfer. And... and um, and yeah, obviously that that wasn't the best way um, for him to end his Saints career. But as far as his talent goes, he was he was known as Forrest Gump, apparently. 
because he wouldn't stop mm. running up <laughs> and down the flanks. So he's a good player and I think he deserves an honourable mention. Um, but who's in at number three then? Number three, I have given that to the big man, the main man, Radi Jaidi. Uh, he was a rock at the back for us in League One. His partnership with Jose Fonte was unbelievable. We won the JPT and he was uh, instrumental in uh, us getting promoted from League One. And also he won the African Cup of Nations. So yeah, doesn't really get much bigger than that. So he's in at number three. Tunisian icon. Yeah. And a, and a big player for Saints. So yeah, back that. Number two, I've given that to the mighty Kenyan Victor Wanyama. Uh, 97 appearances for us four goals and he's in there mostly for that partnership that he had with Morgan Schleinen in 2014-15 and we'd sold so many players before that season and everyone was a little bit unsure if it was going to be a successful season or whether we were going to come rock bottom and yeah I think them two in midfield we had the best we had one of the best defensive records in the league and they played a massive part in that and I can just remember a few games like Man United away when we beat them with that Tadic goal, just thinking how solid they were in midfield, breaking everything up. And Schneidlin had that bit of quality to ping it wide to the more technical players. But yeah, Wanyama's in there for for that role he played in midfield. And also he scored quite a few decent goals, doesn't he? I remember that that whole one from 40 yards out yeah. first time over the keeper. Um, so yeah, definitely one of my favourite players that we've had recently. Yep. Also a funny bloke, isn't he? Looking at his yep. social media. Yeah, definitely echo that. Yeah, he was he was a great player for Saints. And number one, only leaves one person really, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'd be very surprised if anyone else had anyone else in at number one. If any other Saints fans thought differently, but I've given this to Sadio Mane. Twenty-five goals for us. We brought him in for twelve million pounds in 2014, and I remember watching him make his debut away at the Emirates in the League Cup. Uh, which we actually beat them 2-1. And he won a penalty in that game. Uh, I just remember just being quite quite confused as, as to whether I was watching an incredible player or one of the worst players I've ever seen. He was just <laughs> like, he was so direct and his touch it just seemed to be like bouncing off him. But he'd always make the second touch. He'd always, it seemed like he was giving the defender a chance all the time. Like he'd just be really heavy on the ball, but mm. just somehow always keep it. And yeah, I, Another goal that I remember is that one against QPR when he just hit it top corner. and I think it must have been an injury time. Just seemed to get the angle on it when I don't think many other players would get on it. Uh, the hat-trick against Man City. The brace against Liverpool when we turned it around from 2-0 down. Just so many moments for Mane that I think he is uh, yeah. number one without doubt. Fastest ever Premier League hat-trick. Yeah, I forgot yeah. to mention that. Video. Yeah, so now I think that if any Saints fans are out there... Um, and agree, disagree with with that top three, um, then get in touch with us at OWT Saints Pod on Twitter and Instagram and let us know um, about that ranking and our and our um, South American episode as well. Um, but I think without further ado, we will speak to number three on this week's ranking, and that is Radi Jahidi. I'd like to welcome to the podcast Radi Jahidi. Radi, how are you doing? Hi, Patrick. I'm all right. Thank you very much. Good. Well, we're very pleased to um, to speak to you. Whereabouts are you at the moment? You're in you're in America, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in USA, Hartford. Is that Connecticut? Is that right? Yes, Connecticut, the the state. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, we will come on to your um, to your coaching to, to managing in the USL um, slightly later. But I kind of wanted to start with with where it all began for you in England, really. 
Um, and that was at Bolton Wanderers. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit briefly about that and then move on to your, to your career at Saints as a, as a player and, and as a coach as well. Um, but just to start with, to kind of give a little bit of background to some of our listeners, you, you'd won the Champions League um, with Esperance and seven consecutive league titles. Um, and that was in Tunisia, is that right? Yeah, it was in Tunisia. And you also won the African Cup of Nations with, with your country, Tunisia as well. And then you moved to Bolton on a free transfer. Uh, I think it was in 2004. Um, how, did that, how did that come about? Was, was moving to the Premier League something that you're always interested in doing? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, obviously, um, before 2004, I had West Ham um, link as well. But obviously, um, my situation in Tunisia, in Tunisia was was um, a bit difficult to um, to move to to at that time. So I decided to have uh, to stay an extra year, and uh, knowing that the African Nation 2004 is coming coming in soon so I wanted to focus on there um, and, and then uh, give my best you know in, in 2004 and then um, I always had in my mind that my style of play and the way I play probably fits you know the uh, the English football so so uh, I didn't want to go anywhere um, I was quite comfortable in Tunisia mm-hmm. but it was it was my dream uh, to go and play in England. Uh, when when Bolton arrived after the 2004 uh, African Nation, like you mentioned, I took it uh, straight away. Yeah, well, it was a, a very successful couple of years at Bolton. You, for, for some some listeners may remember, they finished sixth in the Premier League um, and qualified for the UEFA Cup. And you you had a really really good team then under Sam Allardyce. It was yourself and the likes of. JJ Okocha and Elhad Juf, Kevin Nolan, uh, Fernando Hierro, Ivan Campo, some, some really big names. What was it like playing in that dressing room? Yeah, the list of, uh, of experienced and quality players can go on and on. Um, we had very experienced players, uh, players who played in the heights um, in, in, in the best leagues in the world. Um, so coming from Tunisia as an expert, as experience uh, international player uh, I was seeking you know um, understanding of the culture I was seeking and you know um, adaptation to, to the environment and then straight away I found a balanced changing room uh, as I said you know with with 15 different nationalities who already adapted you know to the environment and to the culture of the club and this is credit you know to um, to the staff that time uh, some of the dice, but we had, you know, very uh, big and uh, and wide, you know, variety uh, of of staff as well, from uh, from um, fitness coaches to to uh, psychologists to to experts, you know, in, in the thing that that allows us, you know, to express ourselves as a players who came from different countries. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it, w- it was a very successful team, and you moved on from there to Birmingham City. And then on to Southampton in 2009. And you joined us when we we just arrived in, in League One. We were on minus 10 points after the administration. Uh, the club was under new ownership with Marcus Lieber. Um, what, what attracted you to joining Saints at that time in your career? Because, I mean, it, it must have, in the back of your mind, was it not, oh, this, this team are on minus 10 points and it's going to be a bit of a struggle in League One. You, you've been playing in, in the Championship and in the Premier League. 
Did, did you just see it as, a, as an opportunity to build Southampton back up? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, uh, if, you, if you look at my uh, um, career in, in England, or football career in England, I went through Premier League and Championship, uh, through Birmingham to promotion. Um, so I had a very good idea on what football looks like, you know, throughout both levels. Mm-hmm. Um, two things, you know, attract me to Southampton. One, intrinsically uh, driven. Uh, and one, obviously, you know, um, superficial, which is, which is, you know, um, Southampton as a project. Okay. But the intrinsic, you know, point, um, which is, uh, still have it in my, my mind and my, my heart, which is my first game ever, uh, in, in the Premier League, I played against Southampton in St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stuck in my, my mind, um, Played against Southampton in in, in, in the Premier League with a, with a, a huge and a nice stadium, and then suddenly, a couple of years, I I heard that you know Southampton is is going through administration and, and through you know financial issues. When when I had the call from from Alan Pardew, uh, obviously I heard about you know the uh, what he's saying in relation to the project and the, the will. Uh, but he was obviously seeking my experience and my knowledge in, in football, despite my age. Um, with the young players and the young team, you know, um, that time in, 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 in the club is a good opportunity for me to go and, uh, and add the, the plus. Mm. I can add. So that, that was, I think, the both point for me is that uh, helped me to help my decision to be easy, to be fair. Yeah, some of the some players that we've spoken to um, in the last few weeks have mentioned the, the ambition as well shown by Nicola Cortese. Was was he involved in in bringing you to the club at all, or was it mainly the conversation that you had with with Alan Pardew? Of course, you know, in the second phase, you have to meet you know the the football director at that time, and uh, Nicola Cortese was obviously um, yeah, respectful to to my career and my my knowledge, um, despite. The, the difficulty, you know, um, at that time due to due to, due to uh, paperwork, but he was he was understandable and he helped, you know, the process. Mm. And that season, um, so so Southampton's first in League One. Uh, Alan Pardew made a lot of signings. We brought in yourself, the likes of Ricky Lambert um, for about a million. Jose Font, who would who would be your centre back partner, Lee Barnard, David Connolly, um, Papawago. Dean Hammond, so lots of names, and that that squad that we had was almost completely transformed from the team that came down from the championship. Um, and there was a little bit of a slow start to the season uh, that year, our first in League One. Was that because there was just so many new faces? Did it take you time to get to kind of gel together as a dressing room? Um, yeah, there is two aspects I think to that period, which is I remember. So the first as- aspect, which is minus 10, whatever you win, you know, you get, you're still minus. Uh, it was a difficult challenge, which is something we overcome, you know, throughout the season. Um, unfortunately, obviously, toward the end of the season, we couldn't make make the, the, the playoffs because that was the aim, probably, mm. to make the playoffs and keep ourselves on the top table and get out from that level as quick as possible. But, you know, to build up a team, which is the second point, 
to build up a team, you know, balanced team in, in that level. It took us a little bit of time, of course. Uh, only, only when, when um, I think, you know, Christmas period, after a couple of months, we, we got the, the right, you know, people in, in the building you mentioned, obviously, Jose Font, uh, one of them I remember because uh, I had a little injury that time and um, we, I think, you know, Alan Pardew was looking for another centre-back, obviously, to, uh, to make that partnership. Um, and then, yeah, we, we got the balanced team and then toward the second phase of, of the season, we started to win, we started, you know, to make, you know, uh, progress. We got, we got out from the uh, uh, minus zone um, and then I think we finished one point of the uh, the playoff, you know, zone, I think, or two points, I'm not sure. So we were pretty close uh, to that. But what, what, was the, um, what was the success in that season is we built up a team ready for the next season to, to go and, uh, and then uh, dominate the, the Ligue 1. Mm. And the other thing from that season as well would be the Johnston's Paint Trophy. Yeah, um, so it's 10 years, 10 years on since, since um, Southampton lifted that trophy. What are your memories of playing in, of that game and, and playing at Wembley and... Um, and beating Carlisle four one. Yeah, I didn't mention the GPT. I know you coming to it. Um, yeah. Uh, in that season, obviously, was um, one of the successful um, as well uh, memory in that season is the GPT. Um, f- first thing, I I was um, I was really grateful to be part of Southampton setup at that time because as a club, as a club and the organisation that year, that specifically for the GPT, the organisation and the, they made it the best memory ever in, in many of us. Okay, mm-hmm. so players and staff. Uh, so so from, from that week, throughout that week, you know, preparation and, uh, uh, and going to the hotel the, the night before and, and, and go to play the game and finish the game. And after the game, they made it the best memory for, for ourselves, our families and, and the fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plus, obviously, like you said, obviously, 10 years or more, the club didn't win it. So it was a really good, you know, memory and really good uh, uh, trigger for us, you know, to continue our, our project as a, as a club to go and uh, build the best team uh, ever to go back into the Premier League. And uh, again, you know, it's a lot of memory within that period of time and with, with that trophy. We dominated, you know, the um, Wembley Stadium. Uh, obviously, everyone knows the games and 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 the, what happened in the game. But you know, after the game, we had a, a party with the families and uh, friends, and we enjoyed the trophy. Marcus Lever, uh, God bless him. He he was really happy. I remember, you know, uh, and um, in a party, he was taking pictures and speaking to everyone. And it's it's great. It's a great memory. And you felt like a a family around mm. your family and uh, so comfortable uh, to express yourself as individuals. And I've got a feeling that, that that game will probably be up there. But if you had to pick a kind of favourite standout moment from from your playing career at Southampton, where does the JPT rank? Um, and, and is there anything that, that goes above it? Oh wow, that that's very difficult to have. <laughs> I have a, I have ten year at Southampton, um, and I, I tell you what, it's full of memories uh, personally and, mm-hmm. and 
obviously as a club. Um, GPT definitely will rank, you know, one of the uh, one of the top, obviously, uh, best memories in, in the club. But but how how much how much I'm going to mention Patrick? Obviously, from a playing perspective, the the back to back promotions, mm. uh, the fans, you know, take over the pitch and and obviously celebrating the promotion, um, being part of it with the rest of the players, it's, it's amazing. Um, as a coach, obviously, the you know, winning, um, see players going through the level to the first team um, and be part of their development in, in some aspects, um, it's, it's crazy. Um, winning, winning the cup as an assistant coach in 2000, I think, 14, 15 season, and obviously winning the promotion last season with 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 the under 23s it, it's all it's all memories for me and and, uh, and then every person every individual in 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 southampton uh it, it counts for me and mm. uh, it's it's really it's it's it, i think the 10 years in general are best memory <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear i mean you mentioned it already actually um Playing with playing with Font at the back and and that League One promotion season that we talked about when we did kind of it was us it was Southampton and Brighton really that were were running away with it in, in terms of getting promoted to the Championship but you and Font at the back were were rock solid you conceded the fewest goals in the division um, quite comfortably I think and we had the best defence in the division what made um, that partnership with between you and Font work so well. Um... If if I wanna you know go through details um, from my perspective, especially now I, mm. I'm, a, I'm a coach, I'm, I see it from from probably different you know um, angle. Yeah. Um, I think you know that time I was like 34, 30, 35, or thirty three between thirty three and thirty five. So you're speaking about I have an experience as I said I played in different level, played internationally as well. Um, so I don't have that fear, but I have, you know, that um, uh, experience I can and I have to pass to the to the younger uh, players. Not just obviously Joseph Font came as a, uh, a younger in in terms of the age, but has the has a hot, you know, you know, a massive uh, hunger and desire and passion, you know, to make it to the top. And this is something I noticed, you know, with with Joseph. Fun. So that hunger and desire, and he, he he showed on the pitch. So for, for me, it was was just to adapt to him uh, in, in certain extent. Despite you know we were complementing complementing uh, each other's um, on the pitch. Um, I was I was good in aerial. He was good in covering. Um, he he was so engaged on the front foot. I was like like covering at some point when. Um, I see him engaged, so we, we that that's what make it you know uh, uh, very effective. But more of that, um, we we saw we good friends outside outside mm. the pitch, and uh, not just with the front, we with all the players you know on on um, uh, in, in the squad. Uh, if you go to the changing rooms, it's it's amazing. You see the the balance you know between you know young, hungry, quality players. You know you must do the front, but I can even further. You know Adam Lalana, you know um, Alex Chamberlain, Morgan Schneiderlin, you know a um, lot of young players. You know at that time, as as Southampton Academy known with um, 
they integrated the first team um, smoothly because mm-hmm. we had a really good balance, you know, in, in that changing room. And we had some experienced players like, you know, Kevin, Kevin Davis. We had uh, Dean Hammond, um, uh, Danny Butterfield, um, you know, players who played in, in the good levels and in, in the high level. And then now they're there to express themselves as a, as a future managers and coaches, as you can see now. Yeah, I was gonna. We'll come on to the coaching in a bit, but I just wanted to ask you actually. So from that, obviously, you mentioned the kind of the experience in the squad with yourself and and Kelvin Davis, and then the young players. When you were in that dressing room, were you was that a kind of opportunity for you to think, okay, I I I'm enjoying working with these young players, and I can see myself going into coaching, um, like further down the line. Is that something that that happened at that stage? Yes, I think, you know, through your playing career in general, as a player, you will, you'll go through cycles. Um, and that, that time in my career, I was going through the cycle of preparing retirement. As I said, I was 33. Compared to Tunisia, I was lucky because Tunisia, I saw some players retire at 26, 27 years old. So I already making, you know, the difference in relation to my country. But I was like living my days and my, my life in, in England and um, and, and they're enjoying that experience. So, so that time for me is to also get my head around and what is I'm thinking about what is my future. All right. So, so you know that time you will you will try to experience and challenge yourself on different aspects. What you can do to to prepare your uh, your career. So one of the things again, you know, as experienced player. Uh, and I'm sure if you ask Danny Butterfield or or Kevin Kevin Davis or, or Paul Watton that time, you know, is is um, Santa Maria. I didn't see him since a long time ago, but he was a funny guy. But he's clever on the pitch. He he has all the basics that that he can uh, he can pass it to the young, young players. So mm. so going back to the point, you you will try to experience you know things how how he. You, you experience the communication, for example, with the young kids. Try to influence the young kids, whether on a pitch or, or outside the pitch. So these things, they give you the hints of um, example, give you the example of how how you can experience, you know, coaches in the future, if I can say that. So. Mm, mm. Well, one of, the, one of the things that's come out, so we've, we've spoken in the last few weeks, we've spoken to um, Richard Chaplow, um, Jos Hoyveld, um, uh, who else have we spoken to? Dean Hammond, um, some some players that that were around the club at this time, and and one of the things that that all of them said really was the the camaraderie of the team and and how close everybody was in the squad in terms of being friends and and it was a, it was a great atmosphere, um, which, which which I guess partly comes out from the fact that Saints were winning every week on the pitch as well, and it's it's fun to be around a team that's that's winning. You've played, um, you played in that team and you've also played um, for Bolton when they were very successful in the Premier League and, and there was lots of characters in that team as well. Um, if, if you kind of look back on your career from like a dressing room perspective, where does, where does that Southampton team rank in terms of the enjoyment that you got from playing? It's, uh, it's quite an interesting point. Thank you, Patrick. Because, because this is the learning curve, you know, for the younger generation and for for even for the coaches and managers who want to succeed, you know, one of one of the values that I uh, I have in my in in 
my uh, coaching or management now is that togetherness, um, is that, you know, connection um, and caring between, you know, players and, and, and individual and staffs, maybe. Um, so th- throughout my career, whether as a football player and as a coach, I always make sure that we have the right connection. So that go back to that go back to my uh, even early days when I was in Esperance of Tunisia. So we we built it up, you know, a very strong camaraderie and and relationships, you know, with the players. And then you can't even at some point you can't even speak about uh, uh, colleagues. You speak about friends. Who knows, you know, your family who comes to your house, who maybe sometimes sleep to in that house because, you know, you had a really good, you know, night, you know, discussion and speaking about things and all that stuff. So, so that was in Tunisia. When I went to, when I went to England and then specifically in Bolton, I found that already. Um, so, so Sam Aladice, you already build up, build it up that, um, I even remember, you know, some of the actions, some of the clubs, you know, decisions they've done to bring everyone together. As you know, you have 15 different nationalities in, in the club that time at Bolton. And each nationality, each individual comes with different culture, different mindset, different emotions. So for you to be able you know, to see the impact of these players on the pitch, you need to have them in a good balance outside the pitch. And... Having us, you know, every every Thursday in the dinner with our partners or our wives, you know, in a restaurant, and you must, if because because if you don't come, you pay, you know, one week wages. So that was a that was a a, a massive, you know, um, a massive uh, uh, um, aspect that brought everyone together. And uh, and then since that time, we we knew that players we need to get together. We need always to stay together. And that served massively, you know, and positively to our journey going to uh, the qualification to the Europa League. Same thing when I went to Birmingham, Southampton. Obviously, I was one of the, uh, now I was, I took over, was one of the older players. So I had an influence on some of them. Obviously, I'm, I'm speaking different languages, speaking French. Mm. Um, um, so, you know, the Papa Wego, the Morgan Schneiderlin, you know, the, we have a really good you know, partnership and links, but also, you know, I know well the English mentality and I know well how, how, how I can help to integrate and um, connect, you know, uh, the rest of the players. And then I remember, I remember, you know, uh, Nigel Atkinson speaking about the, the changing room and speaking about the balance. He, he almost didn't need to do anything, you know, in that aspect to bring everyone together because we naturally, you know, fused and we naturally you know, um, uh, connected to each other's. Mm-hmm. So it's really good point uh, for for players uh, or for managers, you know. I think one of the successful, um, uh, all of the successful teams, they have a really good, uh, um, uh, I think, um, atmosphere in changing room that allows them, you know, to express themselves on the pitch. And that's what, that's what helped us, obviously, to to do what we did, you know, in Southampton mm. at the time. You know, go back-to-back promotion, uh, especially championship was not easy, to be fair. So you're speaking about the longest and the hardest and the most um, unpredictable, you know, probably league anywhere in the championship. Mm. Mm. Um, and on that championship season, I think your your campaign then was quite, it was affected by injury, wasn't it? Quite, but how, how, how difficult was that for you to... 
to have to watch that from the sidelines? Yeah, it was was really difficult, you know. Um, obviously, the the positive bit is is you have the recognition from the club who give you an extra year because I helped, you know, in in the League One. I was so motivated, you know, same as all the players, you know, to go and and then make the championship, you know, as a one of the best memory in uh, in, in in the club history. Um, unfortunately, obviously, I went through the preseason well. The the last. Uh, week pre- before the start of the pre-season, uh, be- before we start the season, uh, I had that injury on my knee. So, so it was difficult to accept, you know, be, you know, everyone knows me. I'm, I always, you know, committed and, um, and, and then focused on, on my subjects and the club's, you know, uh, objectives. So find myself, you know, uh, on the other side of, or of the pitch, um, outside the pitch in, in the fizzy room, uh, most of the year, it was difficult. But what I did is, is trying obviously to learn about football um, in, in different aspects. Um, so uh, I was there observing, watching, uh, sp- speaking to the manager a lot of time about, you know, getting his head around Nigel Atkins, obviously. Uh, and that was, that was my, the, that time was an aspiration for me to to be to be a coach. I think that was the you know a, a, the the period where I thought let's say what I can be a coach. Um, just just waiting for the opportunity to come. So so it was difficult not to be on the pitch as as I had a long career playing football and it was my ritual to be on the pitch. It was like my norm to be on the pitch, but I found myself outside there. The credit for myself, if I can say that, is that I adapted and and I um, I made that that environment as a as a good learning and good starting, you know, to my to my uh, re- retirement. So, were you were you taking your coaching badges at that time then, or was that something that you did once you'd once you'd retired from playing? So within that period, I started to think of my badges, yeah, and, yeah, and my 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 qualification. So. It was like you know gathering you know um, informations how how the former players can go can prepare their 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 um, coaching career and uh, what is the main things. That's why I thought okay, so the main thing for me now I played you know for 25 years football or more. I have really good experience and vast experience in terms of football in all levels. But how how I can pass it to the players and what is my strengths and weaknesses as a coach and that's why you're thinking okay that this is the route you're gonna follow or this is the route you're gonna follow and then uh, w- waiting for the opportunities and just before we move on to to um to you as a coach i just wanted to ask you've played with some excellent players in your career from from bolton birmingham with the, with the national team and i'm sure in tunisia as well and at southampton and some of them we've mentioned if you, could you pick out one or two as as the players that really really impressed you that were on your team throughout your career yeah definitely there is a, a players who are, are are um they impress you as a, as a as a as a person i think um so so we, when you're speaking about you know technical ability and you're speaking about you know class um jj kocha probably is one of the best players i, I played throughout my career um, when you're speaking about um, 
leadership. You have Kevin Nolan and Bolton Wanderers as a, as a leader. When you're speaking about um, um, confidence and and uh, and limited um, limited you know effort, you're speaking about Gary Speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you're speaking about calmness and 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 uh, um, class. Bruno Gotti as as a centre back. But when you when you go th- when you go through, you know you know my career going to Birmingham, you have Fabrice Mwamba as as a really young ambitious player with Sebastian Larsson. Um, uh, when you're speaking about um, uh, how to say you know bad boys style <laughs> but, but effective, you're speaking about Nicola Bentra, El Hajjouf. So they were effective for us at that time, but but they're the type of players that you need to kind of put them in the zone. Mm. Uh, so going to Southampton, we, we have a really good, as I said, balanced team. But I can I can reflect the same the same values or the same you know uh, characteristic to to many players. So we're speaking about leadership. Um, Kelvin, Kelvin Davis, who, who was the captain and he was, you know, obviously he was one of the oldest players in the team and he knows what Southampton standing for and, and he's been there for, for a period. Uh, he's speaking about a limited effort, Dean Hammond. He's speaking about um, experience, calmness, Danny Butterfield, Joseph Funt, like I said, I mentioned earlier, you know, um, passion, hunger, um, and he was a captain after that, so he he, he deserved it. He's speaking about. Um, I didn't understand. I don't know how I can how I can uh, uh, characterize Ricky Lambert. So goal scorer legend. That's mm. what they call him now in <laughs> in, 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 the, in, in, yeah. in in Southampton because because you know he will score goals all day long. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's always funny, you know, I always look at him in the training session. I told him, I, I can't understand that play against you. You could score against me. I, I couldn't understand <laughs> that. <laughs> and, and, and it's true. So, so he, he's, he's a legend. He scored goals from, from everywhere. So, so yeah, well, you know, I, I respected, you know, all the, the players I played with, but also, mm-hmm. you know, the players who have the different, you know, um, Characteristic, they're the ones who marked their history within the clubs that I played with, um, and uh, yeah, you know. So, so it, it's I mentioned many names, but I can mm. mention more, more from the younger younger players. Again, as I said, you know, from Southampton perspective, speaking about Morgan Schneider, and he was he was uh, so uh, balanced with his development, with his you know um, improvement through the years, and you can see the. The, the the fruit or the result of that he made it you know to the French team and uh, he played in Premier League and he played in in in, in one of the best you know clubs in in, in England so Manu so the, these these are these are characteristics that I value highly you know even when I was playing so, so you make you respect these players and you make you you know proud to be uh, able to to be a um, uh, around them Hmm. and I guess the same question really 
for, for, for when you moved into coaching. And now if you look back on some of the managers that you've worked with, we've already mentioned Allardyce and, and Steve Bruce at Birmingham, but then at Southampton, um, as a player, obviously it was Pardew and, and Adkins and, and then staying at, at the club as a coach, you, you would have worked with Pochettino, Komen, Pellegrino, Puel, um, Hassan Hootel, Hughes, lots of managers there. Uh, and now as, a, as someone that's starting their coaching career, w- what do you take from, from each of them? Or is there one in particular that you, you've taken the most from? Um. Yeah, yes, obviously I took I took a bit from from every coach, and this is mm-hmm. something this is something in my own personal characteristic. Obviously, since since I was playing, I was not like obsessed about just one player. Uh, and realistically, if you want to be good as maximum as possible, you wanna you wanna go out there and look what is the you know each you know successful person is good at, and then you try you know to learn from it. So, so from Alan Pardew, as I mentioned, you know, going through till lately, Ralph was in Hotel, I think went through of a very um, good numbers of, of um, successful, experienced leaders, uh, good in their areas. Um, and then, and then that, that, and each one of them influenced me um, in somehow in, in one aspect. Um, again, so being, being, being myself, I learned, you know, at least one thing from each of them. Um, Alan Pardy, obviously, he, he was, uh, um, he was a Premier League manager coming to League One. Uh, he tried, obviously, to show us, he tried to build the team, but also he, he tried to show us, you know, the, the right direction. So, um, so we, we got, we got from him that, that, um, management you know experience uh, in building up a team and, and with obviously with the club Nicola Cortez that time as well was part of it um, um, so so it's not an easy task to build to build a team who who can be successful in future and go throughout you know the from league one to to the to the Premier League um, and it's all credit to that start all right and, and then and then Nigel Atkin, totally different characteristics, so positive, always smile on, on his face. Um, um, you know, uh, that positivity straight away hit you in your, in your, uh, in your, in your uh, head when you see him come into the changing room. Um, again, he almost, as I said, he needed to do nothing in the changing room to, to bring us, you know, on, on the line. But, but that positivity gave us a very a big power to to continue and carry on um, to to push to the the club to the to the different level. Of course, you know he did you know a lot of you know work on individual basis. On a pitch, he was clear and 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 uh, consistent with his performance as a, as a manager. Um, not not me who, who come and speak about Nigel Atkins, you know, and the achievement he did before. Uh, with a variety of the clubs, uh, so yeah, um, and then after that, when I retired, I started, you know, to observe more and, and try to be as involved as maximum as possible, um, and learn more about, you know, the player football philosophies, uh, the way the managers acting and behaving, you know, within the work environment, you know, um, Mauricio Pochettino, um, 
you know, Ronald Cummins, each one of them have different, you know, approach and different style. Um, and then definitely same as the other academy coaches that time, I would, I, I take, I took one thing from these, from these coaches, from playing perspective, perspective, from behaviors or management perspective, or even, you know, things that we're not sure about. We say, okay, I'm, I won't use that. I would do that. Uh, and this is, and this is the, um, the main thing for, for us, who, the people who are working with and have opportunity to work with, with some successful people is to go and, and then observe and then reflect and, and come back with a, with an action plan or come back with a decision um, or applicable decision, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from there, as you, as you mentioned, you became a, an academy coach at Southampton and, and, and had success. Um, you mentioned the, the cup and then last season, the promotion um, and, the, and winning the league. Um, I guess one of the questions that I had for when, as a mindset of an academy coach, what are you, what's the main goal? Is it to to win games or is it to develop players and push them through to the first team? Because you were also successful on that front as well. And and I think Saints fans will obviously be familiar with, with many of the names that have come through in the last season or two, but Michael Obafemi is now a regular first team player, Jan Valerie. Um, Kane Ramsey, Callum Slattery, Will Smallbone. Um, these are all players that have made first-team debuts um, in the last couple of seasons. And obviously, as an academy coach, it must be very rewarding to see players that you've worked with at, at youth level make the first team. So how do you strike that balance as an academy manager between wanting to win games, but at the same time also wanting to push your players on to, to first-team football? Yes, it's a very good question, Patrick, because... Because you know, you know, some people get you know lost between the lines in relation to this. I think the main, the main, you know, objectives of the academy is to developing successful people. Okay, so that's 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 how I describe it: is to develop successful people. You know, you're not speaking even about players. You wanna you wanna have good people, you know, in 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 the building, people who are. Who, who are good decision maker, people who knows um, what is required to be successful, um, people who who can who, who can um, understand the needs of, of being successful, but also work towards that and overcome you know challenges and uh, and um, uh, hurdles. All right, so so Southampton is successful because you know they did that throughout the years. Um, and as a coaches within the within the uh, Southampton setup, we grade and high evaluate you know these um, these you know values because because we know um, um, a good uh, quality uh, player uh, without you know uh, being a good person probably that's 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 not going to be successful. We know we know winning. It, by itself is not successful. Um, we know we know that you know um, players with good characteristic, but without you know the, the right you know equality uh, and the, the right you know um, um, uh, technical uh, or, or football understanding aspects probably don't make it to the first team and it's not successful. So so it's it's that whole concept of of creating you know people 
but successful in what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's football. So, so we need to have the right expertise in, in, the, uh, in the building. And we had, you know, the right expertise and we, we still have the right expertise in the building to go and hopefully, you know, develop players throughout, you know, the years and throughout the age groups to go to the first team. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky, again, you know, to be part of this setup. I learned a lot uh, from, from my time, you know, in Southampton, as I said, uh, as a player and as a coach. Um, and uh, obviously last year, for example, it was, and it's not all time, you, you'd have, you have a winning and development in the same time. So that was, you know, um, success for, for the club in general to have, you know, uh, five or six players making their debut in the first team. Um, and also, you know, win promotion to 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 um, to um, Premier League to Division One. So uh, and semi final in international cup, and it was it was a really mm. a really massive and a huge uh, success for for the club in general. Um, credit to everyone um, in, in the club. I wanted to ask you as well about um, as a story that came out last month about um, Raf Hassan who's been working on. Um, they called it an, an iBook, but basically, I guess, a, an integrated approach to, to, to bringing the youth teams closer to the first teams in the way that they work. Um, is that something that you were involved at all in, in the past? And, and what are your thoughts on, on, on Ralph doing that? Is that a good idea? Yeah, I think, you know, Southampton has always been, you know, a, a club who, who tried to keep, you know, the link between the academy and, and the first team in general because because we were successful in this um, and we, we, we managed, you know, to, again, to promote, you know, players, you know, to the first team throughout the years. Um, so probably it's time, you know, to, um, to uh, like I said, you know, previously, it's time to probably to adapt and, and, and update, you know, this, this process, with, especially with, with the presence of, of Rafa, Rafa Zulhutl, who showed a, a very um, good, you know, um, capability and very... Uh, uh, good um, um, uh, results uh, with, with the first team, and so so the club and Ralph they wanted to to get together to to uh, make sure to facilitate the the process, which is which is um, the challenge of every academy coach is is to is to um, promote players from 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 the academy to the first team. So that gap uh, probably, uh, and this is as I said, you know, from only personal point of view, probably the, the club want to reduce that gap and make it, you know, as smooth as possible to, to mm-hmm. promote more players to the first team. Again, we, we have a really good players in the academy. Uh, there is always talents uh, who, can, who can make it to the, to the first team. So give them that, you know, boost uh, and that help uh, and that uh, clarity. Um, it's always positive, of course. Which brings me on to your to your job at Hartford, which um, I think Saints fans would have seen that was announced last last year. I think it was November. Um, and there's a, a relationship between Southampton and, and Hartford Athletic uh, who play in the United Soccer League um, in America. Um, first of all, well, I guess the first thing to say is the season, like everywhere pretty much around the world, is has been postponed. Is that right? Are you, are you guys, is there any chance of, of Hartford coming into training at any point soon? Well, hopefully that's what we hope and same as the other leagues in the world. There is, yeah. uh, it, it, there is leagues who, 
who already, you know, had had the green light, you know, to restart. Um, waiting for for the Premier League, you know, to to resume as well. Uh, but there are some mm-hmm. countries like France who decide, you know, to postpone completely, you know, the league. So each each country, unfortunately, with this virus, there is no one rule and there is no one one uh, one uh, um, action plan. You know, each country is different. Each country will will take a decision in relation to to the curve and in relation to the contamination and, and the risks. Um, in USA, it's pretty similar. So um, everyone, I think, everyone want to resume the uh, the league. But obviously, it's a matter of finding the, the timing and the, uh, finding the right protocols and the process, you know, to uh, to resume. And, and it must be tough from from your point of view. This this would be, would have been um, the season was just about to start. I think you'd gone Hartford had gone through preseason and and the first game of the season was approaching. Um, and obviously for you, this is a, an opportunity um, to take charge of a, a senior team for the first time. How has it impacted your preparations um, as a coach and then also team wide? How has it impacted um, the, the whole team? Yeah. Again, again, it's difficult to to just you know think that you're the only one you know who going through this process. It's it's worldwide. It's, it's a pandemic. Um, when when things happen, the only the only uh, thought in, in our head is is let's let's be safe. Um, we want we don't want to risk the life of any any one of us uh, around the world. Um, but then you know going having a step back and and thinking. Um, thinking what happened is, yeah. The, personally, there is a bit of frustration. I can't hide it, but but I'm positive. I'm mm-hmm. positive with the with the with this because we know we will have a time, obviously, to prepare again, and we know we'll have a time to to sit down and then discuss about the plans, and and hopefully we're gonna play games. And this is uh, and this is still exciting for myself, you know, to express myself as a as a first team manager. Mm-hmm. I saw your you gave an interview um, a few weeks ago when you you said you'd kind of taken a few positives from the situation that you've you've been running more and and you're you've become vegetarian and you and you're reading more as well. Yes. <laughs> um, have you got any um, reading like book book advice for anyone? Anything that people should be picking up while they've got a bit more time? Yeah, definitely. It's 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 very it's very important, you know, for for us as a as a leaders to 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 use this period to improve or or reflect or or ha- have a feedback on what's happened but so yeah definitely I, I reflected on my personal um uh, aspects but also um how I can how I can use this period you know to improve obviously the things that I couldn't do when I was when I was coaching and managing uh, one of the things is, is reading. So um, I read books, uh, obviously related to my uh, role. Um, there's two books, obviously, I read. Uh, one's called the lead, Alex Ferguson, obviously, is leading. And one mm-hmm. is called the slides, the slide edge, which is something I, I always, you know, um, I always like uh, from Jeff Olson. Um, Kevin, Kevin George, psychology. It's it's a it's a book who speaks about the, the players and the coaches' psychology and uh, helping uh, give a lot of you know insight on on the players you know mindset. 
I, I would advise, you know, the young um, academy players to, to read that because, you know, something I went through throughout my football career and then uh, I had it naturally, but, you know, when you read it, you'll say, oh, this is right, this is true, and this is things that you, you would, you've done and you would probably um, advise the player to do it. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, going vegetarian, it's something always been uh, interesting for me, uh, especially after after retirement, you know, after retirement, you know, it's, it's difficult to keep that um, diet. But, <laughs> but then, yeah, so it, it was something in the back of my head. So um, I took the decision to do it. To be fair, I've been successful on it now. It's been, it's been nearly uh, uh, five to six weeks since we stopped, I've been applying and learning more about, you know, being vegetarians. Um, I do a lot of, you know, sports activities, especially running. I go for running almost every day. Um, I, I do probably same exercises that I give to the players. Um, I don't know whether I probably I come back to offer a time and then go back to play. <laughs> I was going to ask that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's been quite interesting. It's difficult, of course, psychologically and and morally because you need to keep yourself, you know, out. It's difficult for me because my family is in UK, uh, or from my family mm-hmm. for now more than, more than three months, which is, um, which is uh, uh, a part of, of the management life. Uh, and you have, to, you have to find a way to keep yourself balanced, to keep yourself going. Uh, probably people out there thinking, oh, yeah, management is easy. It's never been easy. It's... it's it's, um, it's, it's challenging, you know, in, in all aspects. Um, and uh, lucky enough, I, as I said, I went through the, the, the cycles, uh, the development cycles as a coach. I went through the qualifications. Um, and I know almost what's, what needs in, in, in any aspect uh, from manager's perspective and coaching perspective. So, yeah, um, and this experience is, is the best transition for me to to the to word of management um, in, in a senior level. Hmm. And I don't want to um, jump ahead too far, but seeing as the season hasn't really even started for, for Hartford yet, but um, I know you've spoken in the past about your ambitions in coaching and, and in other interviews, you said that you'd lo- you'd love to, to manage Tunisia one day and also obviously have ambitions to manage in the Premier League. Um, is that still the case? Yeah, I think you said it, Patrick. We don't want to jump, you know, the, the, uh, yeah. the, um, the, the. I don't know the, the levels or, or the, the steps, um, step by step. Hopefully, um, uh, the only thing I say, you know, that Hartford is the best transition for me to, to go to the next level, and um, I'm, I'm grateful I'm in this uh, situation. As I said, you know, part of the. Uh, the Southampton and Hartford partnership uh, and a trainer to, to uh, make my way up to the, to the next level. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I just kind of, uh, I wanted to, to finish on in terms of coaching is something that is, is in the news um, relatively frequently. Um, and that's about opportunities for BA ME managers. So that's black, Asian and minority ethnic managers in the Premier League. And uh, I think at the moment there is one and that's Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, we're both based in the USA where uh, the NFL has the Rooney rule, um, which guarantees interview opportunities for ethnic minority candidates. And some people have criticized that 
um, as kind of tokenism, while other people think it's a positive move. Um, it guarantees um, more opportunities to at least get in front of the right people um, who are offering these jobs. Where do you stand on, on this issue and, and why do you think there is perhaps a lack of diversity among football managers in Europe and, and, and in England specifically? Um, I've always been focused on myself, to be fair, Patrick, you know, and trying not mm -hmm. to achieve as, as maximum as possible um, objectives. Um, being, being a, the only thing I say is being, being a, an African um, a player, now African coach uh, in Europe, um, the challenge um, is, is high. Uh, and you need to make sure that you fit the the expectation in that and that level, um, and um, and of course, you know, we need to make sure as a as a minority, we need to make sure that the the environment is aligned to to that. Uh, you don't have any emotional or, or value issue issue for you to be able to express yourself. That's the only thing I can say, mm -hmm. to be fair, because. You know, we, we live in a world of, of a lot of, you know, challenges um, and a lot of, you know, um, probably unconscious bias in, in some aspects. So uh, in the world of, of social media, you know, anyone can put a comment in in, in the internet and they can go viral and uh, you don't know what is right and, and wrong. Um, and being, as I said, you know, Af African coach in Europe, um, we still, we still fight. We still try. You know, people like myself will will do everything you know possible um, to make sure you know we uh, we we successful in that aspect. But you know, like you said, being a minority is already a big challenge. Well, Roddy, thank you very much for your time. Um, it's been fascinating to chat to you, um, and hopefully you've enjoyed it as well. But thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I enjoyed, you know, the talk. Uh, all my, you know, I send all my regards, you know, to the fans, uh, to everyone back in Southampton. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Yeah. Cheers, Roddy. Bye. Right, Jack, let's bring you back in. Anything stand out to you from that chat with Roddy? Definitely, Pat. Yeah, I thought that was a quality interview. A um, couple of things stand out. One, how good was that Bolton team that he played in, in the early 2000s? I just looking at some of the names that he was rattling off, like JJ Kocha, Kevin Nolan, Speed, Stelios, Campo, Hiero, Jaskalainen, Elad Juf, just full of like iconic big players, wasn't it? That is an amazing... That, was Allardyce in there charge? There needs to be like a well. film or a documentary about that Bolton team because I'd definitely watch it. It'd be, it's, yeah, like, yeah, like a last dance for just looking at <laughs> Elad Juf or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that stood out for me. And also on a Saints note, the... The way he was talking about how he helped Morgan Schneiderlin and Papawego, both being French speakers, coming into the club and just made me think Morgan Schneiderlin was 18, maybe even younger, yeah. when at the time when he came to Southampton. So I think Roddy Jaidi was probably massively influential in his development. Um, I think that's a good point. Him into the yeah, club. I think that's a good point. Um, I thought it was interesting as well when he was talking about what he's been doing now in Connecticut, um, in America, and, and trying to make the most of lockdown yeah. and improving himself as a coach. and. Well, that was that was quite interesting. Um, anything, anything? What have you been doing to improve yourself during this lockdown period? <laughs> Call of Duty Warzone. I've massively improved. <laughs> my, my kill to death ratio is going through the roof, mate. So okay, well that's that's what I've been working. Fair enough. On. I mean, improvement is improvement. So um, <laughs> exactly. But next week, 
just to tee that up, we'll be speaking to the Daily Echo Southampton reporter, Dan Sheldon, and he will be going through the Saints squad with us and we'll be looking at transfer rumours um, related to Saints players and, and transfer rumours related to players that Southampton are potentially going to be interested in this summer. We'll do a kind of little bit of a, an assessment of the squad and where we need to strengthen and, and hopefully we'll get some inside knowledge from Dan on, on where Saints are looking to strengthen and where they potentially will be looking to sell. Um, so that's up next week. Um, looking forward to that. But until then, uh, Jack, have a good one. And you, mate. Speak to you next week. Yep. Speak to you next week. See ya. Bye.